When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening, I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Broadcasting from my home studio in the hinterlands of the Oregon coast to our mothership, the studio of 11.50 a.m. KKNW in Seattle and worldwide at nightdrift.com. Tonight, Ryan Singer, stand-up, paranormal investigator, host of the podcast Me and Paranormal You, and now has launched an app called Crystallize. We'll learn all about that as we catch up with our friend Ryan. That's tonight. You know, I was supposed to be on the East Coast right now, and narrowly escaped being trapped in some hotel freezing. So, my East Coast friends, stay warm out there. It's it's rainy and it's windy over here in the Pacific Northwest. Who would have thought? Uh, the last few days were actually nice, crisp, sunny days. Now I, uh, I feel like I'm aboard some old creaky ship being tossed about the sea. So, hoping nothing fishy happens with the uh, power tonight, but if it does... You will know why. <laughs> uh, so, listen, do you want to hear about a little divine message I received this week? And maybe you can tell me what you think about it. So, uh, I got this letter from my friends at Liminal Earth. And I opened it up, and uh, in a very, you know, non-serial-like fashion, a uh, uh, poorly photocopied, uh, uh, taped-together message reads... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Included inside this envelope, you will find a six-word magic sentence specifically divined just for you. Members of the Liminal Earth staff looked at your name, closed their eyes, and rolled some dice, then utilized the numbers generated to select page, line, word numbers from books off our shelves. So you understand that? They thought, they thought of these things, and they picked up a book, and, and then they selected the page... Uh, the line, and the word. And then they got a little message from me based off that. So a separate little piece of photocopied paper. I, I'm, I'm joking. All artfully done, of course. It says, Substance. Bag. Halfway. Figured. Mystery. Flourish. All right, well, let me know what you think. <laughs> you know, it would be weird if any of that actually related to you listening right now. And it would not be unheard of. It could be some cosmic synchronicity. It, it, it could be some form of retrocausality. I mean, what if? We don't know. So, um, listen, how many people are getting DMs from psychic friends offering a free reading? Then, uh, upon reading the message, realize, hey, that's not really my friend. That's that's a fake account. Well, it's happening, and it's happening a lot. So I'd suggest if you see it, report it, you know? Help your friend out. But, but I fear things like this will happen more often as we slip into a more shared, multidimensional perspective. With one leg left in consensus reality, leaving us to wonder if the you is really you, and the me is really me shapeshifters, grasping for our identity when the person next door can assume the same face. 
not to trip you out too much at the top of the program here, but our guest tonight, Ryan Singer, knows a thing or two about shape-shifting. Go back to his Euphemet feature, 014 versions of yourself to hear all about that, but tonight is about how we shift internally, mystically, spiritually, as we quest through unknown realms, changing ourselves in the process while leaping through chapels perilous, coming out anew. That's tonight with Ryan Singer. But how has the unknown changed you? Are you different than when you started to first explore the paranormal? Let me know. We'll be taking your calls tonight, 425-373-5527, or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW. That's 5569 on Night Drift. We'll be right back. show on social media at Euphomet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. In a 2016 inverse feature about his podcast, Me and Paranormal You, Ryan Singer shares that it's more fun to believe. That's how I live my life. I will believe anything until someone can prove it as false, and then I move on. So podcast host, stand-up, milkshake connoisseur, collector of baseball cards, paranormal investigator, Ryan Singer. Welcome back to Night Drift. Jim, thank you for having me on the show. I, that reminds me, it's been a minute since I've had a milkshake. So, I What are you to, doing? What are you doing you know, with your life? I've been trying to cut out sugar, so I made some sugar-free eggnog this uh, holiday season, and it just okay. it wasn't up to my standards of eggnog, but I... That's a very good question. What am, am I even? What, am I even living? <laughs> Which is a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. Like, are we even alive? Uh, that was the recent title. This was a recent title of me and Paranormal You, right? Yeah, it was a thirty-year bonus, which is um, it's uh, the solo episodes where I don't have a guest I'm interviewing. Yeah. I'll just kind of ponder some things I've been reading and researching and thinking about, and I'm thinking to myself a lot in the last week if i don't believe death is real which is it, meaning to say that 
I believe our consciousness continues on afterward. Okay. If death is not real, then isn't life con- or, or our definition, our understanding of being alive, isn't that contingent on there being a death? Right. And if it is, can one exist without the other? And what changes? Because I was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what are the different, you know, terminologies we use and thoughts are definitely what builds our world, right? So right. in what fundamental changes in language would be happening and therefore in our world, mm. how would our world look differently when we're using different language to talk about our existence? Right. And to me, that's very fascinating because it's the two main pillars of the paranormal world, understanding that death isn't final or real as we understand it to be now. And secondly, we're not alone in the universe. Mm. And when those two fundamental changes really take hold in the collective consciousness, what major transformations follow? And I think they're obviously very vast and profound. Mm. Well, considering all that, did you land on a different term or different set of terminology you think would be more appropriate for this flow of life or, or death or combination of the two? Well, all I got right now is being, uh, and you know, that's obviously not a good. new term, but you know, you know, all, that's all I really got right now is, I mean, this kind of just all kind of blew my mind within the last week thinking about all this stuff. Sure. And, you know, d- depending on what like book I've read last, you know, my, my outlook about the cosmos and the nature of existence can, <laughs> yeah. can, can shift dramatically. You're I'm, a completely different person after reading a new book. <laughs> yes, I am. Like, Let's are we even I friends never... anymore? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. What is Let's it? Just hope I don't read yeah. the wrong book. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, I do think we're still friends, but I'm reading The Secret <laughs> Cipher of the Euphonauts, which is a book that I first heard about uh, through, you know, Alan Greenfeld while, you know, watching a, a few years ago, the the incredible series Hellier. And I was like, I'm going to check this book out. And then that kind of sent me down these other rabbit holes about, you know, with some other books and then, you know, always v- revisiting The Trickster and the Paranormal by George P. Hansen. And then trying to wrap my brain around Dr. Stephen Greer announcing, I think three days ago or within the last week that the disclosure project, essentially, that's what we'll, I guess I'll refer to them here is they're starting a pack, a political action committee okay. as they've thrown their hands up and said, fine, we'll play the game the way the rest of the world is playing this game. And we'll try to use influence in Washington to oh, interesting you know, to try to combat against the ET narrative of threat to national security. And in the 1990s, when I would listen to St- Stephen Greer on our Bell show, um, that was his typical hat, was uh, before the CE5 movement and before he, you know, sort of founded this uh, organization that we all know now, it, 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 Basically, its place was to go and politic and lobby for greater amounts of disclosure or to, you know, interface with stakeholders. And so it's really interesting to hear that maybe he has come full circle, right? And and they're going back to that, but this time within a political pack, which obviously that deals with like sort of money lobbying at a completely different level, right? Yeah, for sure. Previously a nonprofit organization, now obviously for profit, considering you're trying to raise money to affect outcome. Basically, you're trying to buy people's attention to focus it in an area where you want change. You know, I have a, you know, I don't have a great understanding of political action committees, but I do know that there's thousands of them and they're probably the reason why nothing ever really gets done or like, you know, the wrong thing gets done. The grand opera of it all. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's why fossil fuels, 
you know, still have such a hold on so many senators and political figures. I mean, there's so much money flowing through them to these people and everybody wants security and, you know, everyone wants to feel safe and feel like they can take care of their family on a fundamental level. So it's like, well, I'm just going to keep, but when is enough money, enough money? I mean, I don't, I don't know, but right. So it's interesting. So I've I've been contemplating all of that kind of simultaneously mm. and trying to wonder, you know, well, I guess I believe that this black lodge is real now. Mm. Um, And then, you know, just trying to understand the implications of how that whole idea of the good versus the bad, the light versus the dark, whatever, that duality thing, how it's played out in so many conspiracy theories, specifically in the last six years in the United States and in so many other ways, when we know here that really the space between the liminal space, that's where really the interesting stuff is happening. And in in my opinion, that's where the truth really lies is in the middle. Mm. Yeah. That state of being somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. Uh, Listen, before, you know, you read another book and we become a conspiracy YouTube uh, show. um, Let's, let's go back to you. Uh, (laughs) That'd be um, me coming full circle, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, hey, the, I'm watching the clock. Um, so, <laughs> God, the, real quick, Jim, that just reminds me in 2011. I mean, all this stuff is very popular right now. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the, you, know, uh, you know, we don't have to go through it all. But in 2011, with two friends of mine, Tom Simmons and Billy Wayne Davis, two very funny comedian friends of mine, we were doing a live show called Coops. That was a live <laughs> comedy show based on conspiracy theories Mm. and we were trying to deliver conspiracy theories to people through comedy yeah and it got crazy sometimes (laughs) on stage (laughs) like some of the reactions you know to where one club specifically was having to give a pre-show warning to the audience before the show started but we were doing it you know we were using comedy and we didn't go out there and say that, you know, reptilians are running the world and eating their children right. uh, of, you know, human baby or oh, whatever, and all that kind of right. stuff. But, but, you know, it was, you know, maybe it was just a few years too early yeah, to try right. to, you know, show it's like, Hey, you know, some of these are probably real. And some of these are, it's so easy to make a conspiracy theory now yeah, that it's uh, it all becomes so dicey and that consensus reality that you talk about becomes more and more difficult to understand what it even is. Let me ask you this. If so many of the people that, that I know that you yourself associate with or, you know, are, are telling me that this is where this was your entryway into some of this space, this is how you rationalize or contextualized what this kind of strangeness was through potentially presenting conspiracy, do you think that because the fact that so many people are now approaching uh, this world of strange through the lens of conspiracy, that we'll have a whole new set of paranormal enthusiasts, investigators at the other end of this thing when they inevitably fall down the rabbit hole and go, I don't know, I guess ghosts did it. (laughs) (laughs) They're putting ghosts in my vaccine, Jim. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to let them. No, I think, um, that is an interesting question, and I think, you know, it, just like anything else, just for the mere fact that you said it out loud, it's probably created that reality. But the um, it is interesting to think, I mean, for me, the conspiracy theories, I was in it a long, you know, I was in it deep a long time ago. And, you know, unfortunately, at the bottom of most of these rabbit holes, there's someone trying to sell you a bunker. And <laughs> once you realize that, and then once you also realize, and and I would argue, even though I have no way of knowing, that I would say three-fourths of all conspiracy theorists, they have no idea where the origin story of so many of these conspiracies they believe in come from. Right. I'm talking about the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, which is anti-Semitic propaganda made or listen, up, plagiarized BS you know, stuff, right? Y- Yahoo message boards from the 90s. Yes. I mean, some of this stuff spawned from people not Greenfield himself, but but people of his ilk going around and messing around with information and creating story. And people now, you're seeing it on CNN. It's so wild. <laughs> it is really, it's really wild. And, 
you know, it makes you, you know, I do my best to try to be like, you know, if you can understand, you know, when, when someone's getting really into a dangerous line of conversation with me, and when I say dangerous, I mean, they're starting to get into, you know, some of this like new world order, anti-Semitic kind of, you know, conspiratorial thinking, which so much of it has its heart in that, right. uh, and, you know, in its origins from that. I just simply ask them if they've heard of the, the protocols and nine times out of 10, they've ne- they have no idea what I'm talking about. And, you know, so I just try to discuss like, well, let me tell you about the history of this, you know, anti-Semitic propaganda that started this whole Jewish people control the world through the banks, you know, conspiratorial line of thinking. And, you know, you know, oftentimes they don't want to hear it, but, you know, it's, you know, that's where I ended up finding these, you know, while I was going down these rabbit holes, I started finding out more information. I'm like, well, this doesn't seem to make sense that this, this, these protocols seem to be paralleling so much of the modern conspiracy theories you hear now seem to be directly mirroring these protocols. Mm. And, you know, and people are still probably referencing these as did you hear about these secret documents that were found of the minutes, the notes taken during meetings of the elite Jewish people and how they were planning on taking over the world, not through warfare, but through money. And, and it's all, it's all a fairy tale. And that's not to say that people always will come back and be like, well, well, you're, you're trying to say there's not an elite group of people who control all the money. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm a huge supporter of, and, and was a huge supporter of, you know, Bernie Sanders and, you know, the 1% of the 1%, right? And there are the elite and the wealthy. That's not what this is about. But why does it always have to end up going down these, you know, anti-Semitic roadways? It seems, it seems crazy to me. But, um, but anyway, and, and so that's just been kind of like, you know, regurgitated and, you know, you know, piece and parcel of it here and there gets added into to add more depth to a different conspiracy theory. And there should be some skepticism and cynicism even when it comes to the cover-ups of UFOs in the history of UFOs in this country. Obviously, there has been cover-up. Obviously, there's information withheld that there are conspiracies to keep this information away from the general public. That's not to say that that's not true, in my opinion, because Mm. I believe it is. But and I don't like the current disclosure movement that the, you know, the government is, is walking out to people. What, um, why is that? Passing out. Um, because if you, if you go back and you read the nine page document, that is the, this is everything that, uh, can, that we've got. Can you got. describe a little bit about what, what that was? Well, the Pentagon report on UAPs, unexplained aerial phenomena, which is funny. You know, I was listening to a talk by Dr. Greer the other day. And he was talking about how, you know, ridiculous that term is. And he, he mentions, because I've always thought it was ridiculous too, but just because, you know, if you're into UFOs and study UFOs, you can be a ufologist. If you're into UAPs, you're a ufologist. But so that's like the joke. And I'm like, I don't want to be a ufologist. I want to be a ufologist. It sounds better. <laughs> and also UFOs, you're changing, you're trying to change the narrative, right? And you're trying to change the words. You're trying to change, you know, the thoughts. You're trying to create the built reality, right? So I always try to pay attention when people are trying to change a fundamental word of something. To me, that is indicative of a larger plan, right? And that might be my conspiratorial, you know, part of my brain that's still there. So there was a report that was, you know, demanded and put into the stimulus bill, if I'm not mistaken, for a disclosure report, essentially, of UAPs, you you know, which you know, the term first became popular when Hillary Clinton was on Jimmy Kimmel and said, and she said something very telling. She said, quote, we call them UAPs now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, who are we, Hillary? Uh, You and I are not a we, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I'm still calling them UFOs, you know? Um, Anyway, so um, the point is, this report finally comes out, like, right before the deadline, up until the, the deadline where they had to you know, get all the information that the Pentagon, I believe, had on UAPs and UFO sightings and things like that. And like, what do we know? Congress wanted to know. Give us the report. And the report came out and it was nine pages long. 
And in the first paragraph of the page, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it right in front of me and I haven't read it. It's been a minute since I like read it, but the, you know, uh, threat to national security was mentioned multiple times. Russia was mentioned. China was mentioned. The fear factor, they were bringing in fear factor, which is ironic because Joe Rogan hosted that show, but the, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, actually kind of funny now that I think about it, but <laughs> so you have the fear factor laid in right at the top. I mean, that's the thesis of the report. And that is the, that's the story. That's the headline that the news outlets pick up on. And that's what they lead with. And, you know, and I'm not like a disciple of Dr. Stephen Greer. I do agree with him when it comes to the issue of what what's, you know, very likely the nature of ETs and our communication with them and, you know, consciousness being the key to everything and consciousness is their advanced technology because I think our consciousness is the key to everything. Every right. mystery that we, that we hope to uncover, I believe, can be solved with a greater understanding of what consciousness even is. But, you know, so it gets tricky, you know. Um, this nine-page report is supposed to explain 70-plus years of the unexplainable and it seems like a slap in the face and it seems a little bit ridiculous and now everybody's you know we got space force now to protect space and all this other stuff and it's just like well is this how we react is this how we choose right. to react to everything with right our guns like yeah react with guns and uh you know we react with vitriol and uh i know there was a lot of um, uh, aggression towards what this you know nine pages were and a lot of ufologists felt it was a slap in the face well well there's some actually felt like well hey there's like a little confirmation there's something going on in in any regard um i'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that when we get back we're talking with ryan singer and we'll also be taking your calls tonight join join the conversation we're talking about uaps right now but i think we'll probably talk about crystals and ghosts soon oh yeah so <laughs> it's it's going to be a great rest of the program it, it, as if you haven't already enjoyed it so far uh, 425-373-5527 toll free in western Washington 888-298-KKNW that's on Night Drift and we'll be right back after this Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. Don't feel the reaper, nor do the wind. 
From west of the Cascades to the rest of the world, lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. We are back here on Night Drift. And if you're not tearing through the mountains in a Corvette right now on some wintry, crazy drive, I'm, I'm disappointed in, in you. <laughs> We're having a really fun show tonight on this Sunday. You know, actually, if you're at home just trying to stay warm right now, you know, please do that and take care of yourself out there. I know a lot of people are dealing with some crazy weather in this very crazy world that we live in. Next week, Bex Atwood joins us again for a new report on high strangeness from the liminal earth map. And in the coming weeks, we explore tarot with psychic Elaine Hathaway and review UFO data trends with Cheryl Costa. I cannot wait for that one. And, and so much more in the coming weeks here on Night Drift. And if you want more of the program, you can find it on the Euphemet feed wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit euphemet.com and make sure to follow us across social media at Euphemet. Now, this Thursday, we're releasing a brand new episode of Euphemet. You know, when this stuff gets very real, very fast, and changes the course of your life, this feature this week explores that notion in very the, the gripping humanity of it, that sometimes the paranormal, well, it interfaces very intimately with the, the real macabre that can be out there in life. And that's what this next episode is about. So listen to that on Thursday on the Euphemet feed. And, you know, do you have a paranormal experience that has changed your life? You can share it with me at jim at euphemet.com. Or you've heard the numbers all night long. Do you want to be a caller to this program? I dare you to do that. I dare you. I dare you to call right now. <laughs> and I'm back here with Ryan Singer on whatever it is we are talking about here tonight. Ryan, thanks so much. Ryan's on. Oh, YouTube. I'm back. I'm back. There he is. I'm back. He learned how to I use dare Zoom. You to call it. After you all these dared years. me to come back into the program. I did. And you were just not going to have it for a minute. You're going to yeah, let me sit I there. Touch on, or can I touch on something real, real fast? Absolutely. You mentioned at the very top of the program about these copycat accounts on social media who yeah. are offering readings to people and oh my gosh and i've seen it said a bunch but a quick tip to understand if if something's real or not typically is no no psychic is reaching out to you no psychics are cold calling people <laughs> on social media right. and so if a psychic is reaching out to you to try to book a reading you can 99.9% .9 of the time just assume it's it's fake. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. It's sad to see that happen to a lot of our friends, but you know, uh, it just is what it is in these times, right? And uh, the better we can navigate and uh, just support one another, um, the better, you know. Indeed. Uh, uh, listen, Ryan. So the last time we chatted on Night Drift, it was. It was a little recap of an investigation you had me along for at the old post town school. And since you have been back, right? I've been back one time for a one night investigation with Eric from Epic Paranormal. And uh, we had a really fun time investigating. I'll be going back again. Really? At the end of February for one night Man. Uh, with Karen Rontowski, who was there at the original. Wow. Investigation. So what is it about this place? I mean, I was there. I, I can answer this for you. But what is it about this place that keeps pulling you there? There's something going on there. And Alex Mastretta and I were having a discussion who was also uh, in the original investigation for those two nights. And he was positing to me that he thinks it's there's a crossroads there. It's a receiving portal. And it potentially, there's so much activity happening at this place because there's so much traffic passing through it, hmm. potentially, as a hub of some kind. And linear time might not apply here. Like, you, you may be picking up information through a spirit box or through some other device 
that is almost an echo of past investigators asking questions or saying things inside the school or potentially from the future. Even I was thinking about this last night. I was like, what if it's happening from the future? Right. Uh, Like, what if I'm hearing my own voice here, which has happened to me a couple of times now. And it is from a future investigation I'm doing at this. Ryan, that happened to me with those devices there. You you understand. I heard your voice in the device there. Yeah. Yeah. And last time I was there, Eric is like, this sounds like you coming through. Unreal. And so it was, it was, it was pretty chilling and and exciting. There are these places called Middletown that exist all within the United States that seem to carry some sort of source of liminal power. Um, We're actually going to the, uh, the phones right now. John from Detroit. How, how are you tonight, John? Is John there? I'm not hearing him. Hi, John from Detroit. All right, so uh, that's not working out this time, but maybe Odie can uh, figure out what is going on there. And uh, listen, uh, I think it's fascinating that you're continuing to go to Post Town and that you're really digging around to see what could be going there. And it's, I assume, probably opening your mind up to a lot of different situations new situations you would never, you know, sort of even thought could exist within a a ghost investigation. It is definitely blasting my mind open to the possibilities of, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes I tell people, uh, they're like, well, how do you do what you do? And I was like, well, you just have to believe the unbelievable, even though it sounds Mm -hmm. like a contradiction. If you can believe the unbelievable, your life can alter forever in my opinion you have to be open to it right and you know we did ce5 protocols uh Mm -hmm. to some degree inside the school because i do believe in a connectivity between all paranormal phenomena because i believe consciousness is the fabric that ties all of this together yeah and so when it comes to whether it's bigfoot ghosts or aliens i don't and I know some investigators don't like this, maybe, or they, you know, specifically the ones who think Bigfoot is flesh and bones specifically. I don't believe that we have to draw those lines when we're out there just kind of, we're, we're making it up as we go along to a large degree and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And we can use, we can borrow things from people who have innovated in the past that have shown to be successful techniques. And then we can alter those to our own personality because I do think it has to be a personal experience uh, at, at its heart when you are doing an investigation. We're going to go back to the calls here. And uh, John from Detroit is with us. Hi there. Is this John? It is. This is John from Detroit, isn't it? <laughs> I recognize this voice. How can you not uh, not recognize the sultry the sultry baritone? John Tenney, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight? We're doing great. Thank you for taking my dare and calling in. I just I listened to you on Ryan's show a couple weeks ago and uh, kind of had my mind blown during my run and running along and listening to you guys postulate and explore new ideas together. And and uh, that was great. And now you're here with us tonight, John. Thank you so much for calling and, in. And Jim, John, one of the first people to ever go to Post Town Elementary School, if I'm not mistaken, John, right? Yeah, I investigated there, about, I don't even know, eight, nine years ago now. Wow. And so... I think there was still wrestling going on there. Wow. <laughs> it's a merging of two deltas there for me. Uh, John, what was some of your experience when, when you went there back then? Did, did you get a sense of any of this stuff that Ryan is expressing? Uh, uh, you know, maybe a sense of, uh, of an echo from a, a future or, or d- definitely something going on that is uh, uh, prescient? Yeah, it was strange when I was there for sure. And there was weird stuff. Nothing I could point to immediately. But I do feel that Post Town is one of those places that, as it's investigated, it becomes more haunted, for lack of a better word, more charged with energies and ideas, which mm. I think have the ability to you know, replay and echo and bounce and amplify. 
Wow, so interesting. Uh, Ryan, what, what do you feel about that? I, I do think that there is the idea of it getting charged up. And because, as you know, we did two shows or we did two nights, excuse me, not shows. Uh, we did Thursday, Friday night. We did, you know, all night investigations. And then on Saturday night, I recorded a one hour comedy special that'll be out later this year. And that we're tentatively calling the Supernatural. And the during the recording of the show, Daryl, who's the caretaker of the property, he told me that he heard really heavy footsteps walking on the second floor. Hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, we had clear instructions to make sure no one's walking around or running around the school while we're filming and recording because we have such, you know, sensitive equipment. And he said, I knew exactly where it was, and it's an area that's on camera. And these were really big, heavy footsteps. And I went to my camera to see who was up there so I could go up there and tell him to, you know, get out of there. And there was no one in the hallway walking as I heard the footsteps above me, kind of like rattling the building a little bit as, you know, as footsteps may do. And I was really interested to see, and we had other things to do, but we stirred up so much energy on that Saturday night with a live audience and so much, you know, energy and electricity in there that I felt like by the end of it, I was, you know, a little like, okay, I need, I need to take a break from here. And Mm. because it was, it it was, it did feel like a balloon and and the person holding the balloon had rubbed their socks on the carpet way too long. (laughs) John, did you share in any of that experience while while you were there? Uh, I did for sure hear footsteps. Uh, Like I said, it was, it was a long time ago and I think it was one of the first events. And I don't know if the location was, fully aware or fully receptive to someone trying to interact with it at that time. That's so fascinating. Um, this I'm, idea uh, that I would like oh, to ask Ryan a question and then I'll take, uh, I'll take his answer off the air if possible. Absolutely. Thanks so much, John. And this question goes for you too. If you want to answer the question is okay. what is an idea, thought or belief that you currently have that you have no way that 10 or 15 years ago you would have had this idea, thought, or belief. And if you could travel back in time to that per- version of yourself, how would you convince that version of yourself that it's going to have that idea, thought, or belief? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, John. Um, thanks, that's a really great question. And for me, the the first thing that popped into my brain was so obvious, and that is that Bigfoot is a paranormal being, and oh, that good. it that Bigfoot the, the phenomena of Sasquatch and other cryptids are are tied to paranormal phenomena. When I, in fact, used to just it never even occurred to occur to me, if that makes sense that there could be any connection between the two. And if I was to travel back in time and try to convince myself of these things, of this idea, I think it would be, it, it would be tricky. I mean, cause I don't trust myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would just, I would simply say these things, you know, what you've experienced, you know, why you've been cracked open to the paranormal and understand that there is so much more going on in this world than you were led to believe. So it is not a huge jump here to understand that these creatures are potentially visiting this realm from interdimensional portals Mm. and or are connected to your consciousness, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. Hmm. That's profound, man. Um, Listen, I think I'm going to have to answer mine next week. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm, I'm going to take this as homework. <laughs> and where are the bones, man? Right. Where, where are the, the bones? Where are the bones? Uh, listen, we're going to go back to the phone lines here in a minute. But r- right now, listen, um, I-, I wanted to bring you on to talk about Crystal Eyes. Can, can you tell me a little bit about this project? What is it? Where can people find it? Well, two years ago, I realized... I'd been talking for multiple years up to that point of like, man, I wish I had a Shazam for my crystals. 
because mm. I always forget the crystals I have right. and what they do specifically. And so after <laughs> sure. a couple of years of complaining about no crystal identifier app, I decided to reach out to three cousins of mine who have some experience in computer engineering about developing a photo ID app. And then at first that was a simple idea and there was no app on the market at that point. And then, so for two years during quarantine, we worked on it and it turned into a much bigger project as we wanted to raise awareness about ethical sourcing. Cause the more you go down the crystal rabbit hole, the more you realize where are my crystals coming from? I have no idea. Right. And then you also realize that, oh, the Taliban controls mines in Afghanistan. And yeah. it's my lapis lazuli coming from Af Afghanistan, which is one of the main sources. Right. And so trying to raise awareness about the ethical sourcing movement, trying to get that conversation more in the forefront of people's mind was very important to us. We also didn't want a free trial. We didn't want pop-up ads. We didn't want any of the annoying stuff when people are trying to do work on spiritual work or work on their consciousness. So we have a 300 plus crystal database that is free. We have photo identification that is free, limited. You get 33 free snaps a month. It resets mm. at the beginning of every month. You That's get a great. free personal crystal collection inside the app of 33 total crystals. And there's also a metaphysical directory that we are building out. So you can just click on directions to get to a crystal shop and your maps will open. It'll take you to a local crystal shop. There's also other metaphysical vendors that are in our, our directory. And we're always That's looking amazing. for more to add. <laughs> That's so great. Congratulations. And, and people can get a hold of it right now, right? It's available on Android and iPhone in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, Crystallize, one word, E-Y-E-S. So it's Crystal E-Y-E-S. And there's a free version. There's also a subscription version. Right now, we can identify 98 crystals with our photo identification. And we are working very, very hard, putting most of all of our resources into adding 200 additional crystals to the AI, the crystal brain, so to speak, uh, <laughs> here in the very near future. All right, we're going to go back to the phone lines, and we have Brett from Portland joining us here tonight. Brett, how's it going tonight? Okay, do we have Brett? Hey. Hey, Brett. How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty groovy. How are you doing? Oh, very good. Thanks for I calling like Brett already. I like I'm, Brett me already. Me too. Me too. I love his voice. Here we go. Um, so I'm not, I've never heard this show before. Oh, I can hear myself echoing. Okay. Um, and my wife was uh, listening to it, and I guess you guys are talking about some ghosty stuff. That's right. Yeah. Do you have a ghost story? I, Oh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've had like run-ins before I lived in a house where everybody saw something, but I like to talk about more like where I work. So, oh, sure. um, I'm a night janitor and, um, one of the buildings I work in is an office building and it's an office building where I'm at all alone all night. Um, and when I took the job, um, the guy who worked there was like, you know, I think this place is haunted. There's things that I do just because, you know, and I tried to get him to talk like, hey, like, you know, like he won't enter a room unless he turns the lights on and off. And I was like, okay, that's oh, weird. Wow. Um, <laughs> he never really explained to me what it was. I was only worked with him for one day. So um, about, I'd say about a month working there. Um, I was walking into um, the, all the offices are sealed because it's a it's a medical building where doctors' offices are, and okay. you need like little IDs, beep beep things to come in. Sure. Uh, once you come in, it's all motion detected. So um, I come into the room, and I guess the motion detector took a little bit longer than it usually does to detect me. Hmm. So uh, it turned on when I was a little bit later in the room and I saw a lady standing there. Ooh. Oh boy. So like really close, like really, really close. So my first reaction is like, Oh, like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm interrupting you. Right. Yeah. And she was gone. So I was like, that's, that was pretty scary. Oh, um, wow. The time keeps on going by and little by little things keep on happening. So um, there's one wing of the room or the offices with the sealed door where the motion detector light always turns on. 
not like constantly once in a while you know um that area is basically where i've had the most stuff happen um one time i was working um i heard hey brad i'm so voice. sorry it's it's the end of the show and and it's oh. going to cut off your store the rest of your story oh. But okay. thank you so much for sharing about the woman. And yeah. if you'd like to call in next week, I'd I'd really love to hear the rest of your story. Yeah. <laughs> Can really you do that? Woman. It's more like a, there's there's things like guys who say like, hey, boy, behind my shoulder. Or there's wow. like nails that follow me around the hallway. Uh -huh. um, my wife seems to think it's because I'm underneath a bridge and a river. I'm like right where a bridge and river meet. Oh, okay, um, sure. I don't know what that is. There. She says, like, it's kind of a crossroads area. Right, but, right. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just working as a night person. Sometimes you get a building that's a little bit more. and Sometimes yeah. you get a building that's, like, good. Right. Now, yeah, this is, like, something I want to see. I want to see the show Night Janitor. Like, exactly. Uh, where or it's security just guard. You just got to find one of them. And they yeah, got and... That's fascinating. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much, Brett, for, awesome. for calling. And thank you to your wife for listening. And thank yeah. you, Ryan, for joining us this week as our guest. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you. Real quick, 10 seconds. Where can people find all your stuff? RyanSingerComedy.com. You can find everything there. And uh, Rising on Instagram, R-Y-S-I-N-G. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been Night Draft. Until next time, keep looking up and good night. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.